that. And so after a year, I did hit rock bottom. You know, I'd take a two hour commute every day to work and just hate life the whole way there and then hate life all the way home. And so my mental health and everything was just suffering so much that I just said, something's got to change here. So at that point, I looked out the window and I could see Hungry Jack's or McDonald's across the road. And I said, you know what, I'm going to quit and give it a go. And if it doesn't work out, I'll go across the road and work at McDonald's. You know, that to me would have been a better option than sitting in that freezing cold office every single day and not giving it a go. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well-equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, balancers, and welcome to episode 63 of The Balance Theory podcast. We are up to our second last interview of the year, which is so exciting, super surreal, but wow, I've had the most incredible year. I've learned so, so much along the journey, not only from you all, but from all of our incredible guests. So thank you so much to everybody who's been a part of the journey. Our community is growing and I get so excited when you guys reach out to me, either through the reviews or directly on Instagram, just to let me know what you guys have enjoyed the most, what you want to see more of. And again, now is the opportune time to do that as I'm planning out for 2022. Speaking of which, if you tuned into last week's Monday Muse, it was all about how to really end the year on a high and build momentum for next year. So I guess my sticking point was why do we always wait until January 1st to set our goals, to clear our headspace, to kind of do that reset for the year to come? Is this you? Do you normally kind of wait for that time to come around? Do you just sort of rush to the finish line? It feels like a massive push to the end of the year and then January 1, you can breathe and you start thinking about the next year. There's nothing wrong with that approach, but I was sort of thinking, and I'm sure you guys know, I'm more on the proactive rather than the reactive edge. So I kind of looked at Gen 1 and thought, why don't we do a little bit of work just beforehand so that by the time that rolls around, we can actually make the most of the new year. We can start actually taking steps and actionables towards achieving those goals or whatever we want to do in 2022 and do the groundwork before. So last week's episode, our Monday Muse, was all about that. And there was a free ebook download to go with that, which not only went through all the activities and tasks during the episode, so you can do that as you listen, but it also extends on that and has some bonus content on how to actually already create momentum for 2022. So if this sounds like you and you want to be proactive before Jan 1 rolls around, it's a free download. You can head over to our website. I've popped a link in the show notes below. Enjoy. Let me know what you think. And stay tuned for more content like that and a lot more goodies coming in 2022. But now on to today's guest. I have Jessica Williamson on. She is an award-winning mindset and business coach and a serial, and I mean serial entrepreneur, having run four businesses in the last five years. What an accolade. It's safe to say she loves to keep busy. Just in the last two years, she's found her true passion in working as a business coach. And she really loves helping other female entrepreneurs unleash their potential and believe that anything is truly possible. Jess really does share this energy and passion on today's podcast. She tells us exactly how she ran so many businesses within such a short period of time. Her experience with adrenal fatigue, which is something I've actually gone through this year. So it was really nice to chat to her about that. And if you're feeling a little bit burnt out, like you can't really get out of a rut, then this might be something you're experiencing. So you might really enjoy this section. We talk about breaking through traditional barriers and expectations, as well as what the key is to taking it. 
step by step. For those of you who feel like you have more passion and drive than what your job recognizes, then you're really going to connect with everything that Jess shares today. Her go-getter mindset and ability to continually be curious and continue to ask the question, why not? has led her to doing something that she really loves. We also have to have a great segment on curating our work or our fulfillment around our lives. So I know we speak a lot about this, like curating the ideal life, creating your most balanced life. And sometimes you might feel a little bit stuck because you think I work for somebody else and that's not really up to me. But the point is here that we don't want it to control us. And one way we can do that is to set work boundaries. So notwithstanding, it might actually be the most physical time out of your week. You can still set in those boundaries to make sure what matters most to you features in your life. So we ultimately just chat about how to actually own those choices and identify the limiting beliefs that potentially make us stand in our own way. I know you guys are going to get a lot out of today's episode. It's a great sort of mindset, G up kind of chat you might need to get you going for the new year. But as I said, this combined with the ebook and all the activities last week are going to give you a really, really good push to move into some momentum into 2022. If you want to connect with Jess more, you can find her on Instagram or through her website. I've linked everything in the show notes below. Be sure to share this episode. I mean, knowledge is only good when we share it. Spread the love, send it to somebody who will also love it. Or you can take a screenshot and tag myself and Jess. We would absolutely love to see what your biggest takeaways were. Alrighty, let's dive straight in. Today, I'm joined by Jess Williamson, all the way from WA. Welcome to the Balance Theory Podcast. It's so lovely to have you on this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have a bit of a chat. Likewise. So just so we get a little bit warmed up and the listeners get a feel for who you are and what you do, can you share just that? Give us a little bit of an intro about yourself. Yeah, I mean, okay. So I guess to keep it short and sweet. Where to start? I've had... (laughs) Yeah, I've had five businesses in the past five years. So my first business was a taste swimwear. And I started that when I was 22 with zero clue what I was doing, zero experience in business and zero experience in fashion. But I decided I'm going to create a global swimwear brand. And I pretty much did just that. So I grew and scaled that globally. And I had warehouses in Hong Kong and the USA and um, grew that really, really well so that it was pretty much automated running itself. But I had sort of lost the passion for that. So after five years, I decided to sell it in the last couple of months to someone in the USA, which is pretty cool. So they've taken that over and will continue to run that. So that one was from with me from the beginning up until pretty recently. And in the meantime, in that time as well, I started four other businesses. So I had, that was an e-commerce business, obviously, manufacturing. Then I had an influencer travel agency where I used to take influencers on trips all over the world promoting brands. So that was more of an agency marketing um, business model. And then I had an events venue here in Perth where people could rent out the venue and use it for photo shoots and all sorts of fun stuff. And then I was also doing a bit of photography on the side and a whole bunch of other stuff. So um, pretty much in 2019, I was on a plane every three weeks. I was running five businesses at once and it was pretty hectic. And I think I needed 2020 (laughs) to come my way. and, and to learn to slow down. So I've, I mean, the events venue, I sold that because it just was giving me a lot of anxiety and it wasn't really what my life's purpose is. Um, the travel agency obviously stopped and um, 
still do a little bit of content and photography on the side just for a creative outlet. But now I'm really focusing on my business and mindset coaching, which I've been doing for about three years now. And, you know, in inside of that, I have a membership, one-on-one coaching, my podcast couch chats and speaking and all sorts of different things. So it's still almost five businesses in one, but that is really where I found my I guess my life's purpose sounds a little bit cheesy, but my purpose, what I'm really passionate about, and it's something that lights me up every day. You know, I get to share my knowledge on my experiences with all my different kinds of businesses and business models, plus help people with their mindset and things as well. That's awesome. I mean, one business is already enough, let alone five. So I guess I want to know what led you to starting that business life? Because I know you didn't begin there and I know you had a period that was you know a little bit of a rock bottom for you that really caused you to pivot and and move into this taking a leap and starting these businesses so can you chat to me about that moment because I think in life we go through these defining moments where we do take a pivot and it might change the course of your life completely you didn't expect to go in that direction but I'm sure you've not looked back since so I'd love for you to share I guess what that process was like for you yeah definitely so I guess I did the traditional route of I finished high school, I went to uni, and even when I was trying to choose a uni degree, I chose management and marketing because I thought, well, if I'm going to be a CEO one day, I better do management. And this is just the way my brain thought. So me at 17, I was like, I'm going to be a CEO and I better study management. (laughs) So um, it's kind of crazy. Like I didn't ever have these thoughts like I can't be a CEO or who am I like? I was just like, yep, well, that seems logical. I better do that. So my brain is very logical in that sense. And so then I got a job. I started working in marketing and I started working in mining, which was the most boringest thing ever, but it was the only job I could get. And then I worked for another really fun company that I ended up being my very last job ever. So um, I worked in marketing there for about a year at that job. and. I just knew that I was capable of so much more and I had so much more passion and drive than they were really letting me unleash, I guess, in a way. So Mm. I just thought I'd always wanted to work in fashion, but all of fashion companies were not in Perth. And also the fashion industry, you know, it's kind of a catch 22. They want you to have experience in fashion, but then they won't give you experience in fashion unless you've had experience. So it was quite hard unless you knew someone or you could get a foot in the door or I've decided to just take a one-way trip to Melbourne or Sydney. Um, So I thought, well, I'm just going to start my own. And I had the idea, I had about five ideas. I thought maybe homewares, I was thinking clothing, maybe swimwear, you know, I had all of these different ideas, but I thought, I'm going to choose swimwear and go for it. So I kind of just took it one step at a time. Um, But I ended up actually launching that within seven months of having the idea, which is pretty crazy because even when I was five years in, it takes six to 12 months to manufacture a new line, let alone seven months to set up the website, create your marketing, create a whole new collection when you have absolutely zero factory, zero idea what you're doing in manufacturing. So that was really quick, but I just, my brain just said, well, what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? And then magically I launched. And again, I didn't even think what is the right time to launch. I launched in February. That is like the worst time to launch a swimwear brand in Australia. Even when I was, you know, five years in, January, February was very slow, even though it's still warm. Um, So I never really doubted anything. And I think that was the reason why I had a lot of success. And that's the reason why I'm so passionate about mindset now is because I realized that not 
everyone necessarily thinks that way. But to answer your question, I pretty much started that and then I continued working at that full-time job for a whole year, which is where I ended up with adrenal fatigue and things like that because I was growing and scaling a global business. I was invited to New York Fashion Week after one week of launching, which still blows my mind that that happened. Um, And so I was jet setting off to New York Fashion Week while still having this full-time job. I had no money. I had no annual leave. I had all of these challenges thrown my way, but I kind of just kept saying yes and then figuring out how to do it later. But what that meant was I wasn't eating properly. I was, you know, sacrificing everything other than my business. And even at my job, I was doing my business at the desk. No one ever told me off, so I kept doing it. Um, And so for me, the business was just the priority, but that meant I ended up with adrenal fatigue. My skin broke out worse than it's ever broken out before. Like I couldn't even sleep on a pillow because my acne got so bad just due to adrenal fatigue, stress, all of that. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't doing any exercise. I wasn't socializing. I wasn't doing anything other than business pretty much, which is not recommended. (laughs) Um, But but it got me to that point. So I stayed at that business um, at that job for a whole year because I just told myself that, well, once my business is making X amount of dollars, then I'll be allowed to quit. Who made that rule up? Like who made that rule? I made that rule up out of nowhere. There was no rule that said, I have to make that much money. I had, I was living at home at the time. I had no kids. I had no mortgage. I had nothing that really would have needed that. And so after a year, I did hit rock bottom. You know, I'd take a two hour commute every day to work and just hate life the whole way there and then hate life all the way home. And so my mental health and everything was just suffering so much that I just said, something's got to change here. So at that point, I looked out the window and I could see Hungry Jacks or McDonald's across the road. And I said, you know what, I'm going to quit and give it a go. And if it doesn't work out, I'll go across the road and work at McDonald's. You know, that to me would have been a better option than sitting in that freezing cold office every single day and not giving it a go. Yeah, I love that. There's a, there's a few things I really want to pull out of what you've said, because I think there's just so much juice in that story I think um a big thing is that fear of oh no if I take this step or if I you know take that leap what if it doesn't work out and Mm. really until you do that you don't know best you've got a 50 50 chance it's either going to work out or it's not and if it's not then it might just you might learn some things along the way and you know and then you have an opportunity to either go back to what you were doing or do something else and then there's a high chance it will work out because as as you know you kind of with business and starting new things, you just learn as you go and and really everyone's sort of winging it when they first jump into these things. So thinking you're not ready or you need to have all these, you know, all this education or all this experience to get going, I think sometimes is a little bit misleading. So I love that you just took the leap mm-hmm. and I love that story with the Maccas because it's like, honestly, what the heck? Worst case, I can go and get another job. Like I think sometimes yeah. we let our ego and our pride get in the way. Like, oh no, I can't do that. Like that's, you know, be beneath me or, but ultimately you can earn money. You can earn a living if you need to. And if it gets to that point. So if, if, if anyone's listening and they're being held back by that fear, I think that's something to really consider because, really as as long as your ego is not talking to you there there are options and if you are really passionate about something it's absolutely worth the risk of just taking that leap um but one thing you said sort of towards the beginning of your story was that you were just focusing on the step by step 
And I think that's probably ultimately what's what's helped you just succeed because I think a lot of the times we look at our goals or our vision or our business, whatever we want to do, and we look at it at this as this big overarching thing and it's so overwhelming and you can't break it down and think, say your goal, I don't know, I want to make a million dollars this year. Making a million dollars this year doesn't translate to what do I need to do today unless you mm. unless you proactively do that. So I, I love that um, the comment of focusing on this, the next step because the next step will get you to the next step and there's probably like a thousand steps between now and a million dollars revenue a year. So I think that's a, a really nice way to do that. But kind of on that note, and the way you're kind of describing this to me, it sounds like you just naturally have this mindset. You, you know, you're a go-getter. You don't really have those limiting beliefs that a lot of us generally experience. Where did that come from? Do you think that was something that was instilled in you from your parents? Do you think it was just from your upbringing? Like, how did you sort of create that? Yeah, there's nothing that I can, I've tried to think about this quite a lot and there's nothing that I can exactly pinpoint but I I do believe that you're born with somewhat of a personality um and also you cultivate it through experiences but even my mum said when I was you know in her tummy still I would never stop moving and whereas my brother was always very you know sedate and you know quite sleepy I guess in the tummy but I would never stop moving so I was just always like this fast action. And even when I was younger, I literally used to run everywhere because walking was too slow and didn't get me to the end point quick enough. And I would bang into walls and bounce off them. And it was just a bit crazy. So I think I've always had that tendency to do things fast, move through things fast and just kind of go get them. But I do think maybe it's my upbringing. There's no specific memory that comes to mind, but I mean, my dad's a small business owner. My mum was, you know, an artist and she actually got to have an art exhibition at Michael Jackson's house once and all these kind of really cool things. They're both kind of, I guess, think in that sort of way. Although when I was going to quit my job, my mum was really very cautious. She was like, are you sure, Jess? Do you really want to do that? And my dad was just like, go for it. So um, yeah, it's interesting to see where that possibly came from. I do think I was probably born with some of that um, way of thinking. But yeah, I think through my experiences and even just um, one mentor that I had straight out of uni, I had to do an assignment where we had to interview someone who had done a job that we really wanted to do. And I found this guy that was in Perth, which was really unheard of. Like a lot of big business people are not in Perth. And he worked on Al Gore's campaign. He's worked on like top, top advertising campaigns all over the world. And this guy was in Perth and he's like a real introvert, real recluse. And I was like, no way, I can't contact him. Like, no way, he's like a celebrity in the advertising game when I was going into marketing. (laughs) And she said, well, why not? And I think that one tip or that one question from her changed my reality because then I contacted him. He said yes, and we met up for coffee. And so when I realized that actually all you have to do is ask. So I think just showing myself that, these small things um, can create the reality that you want have been really, really monumental in making everything happen. Although I have still worked through a lot of my own, you know, um, mindset challenges as well. However, maybe not so much in the, you know, limiting beliefs or self-doubt category. I've always been super confident in my own abilities. And that's why I got frustrated with working at another job because they couldn't see that. And a lot of people have always actually underestimated me because 
I look young or I don't, you know, look the part or I don't have that loud, super um, presence that some people have. And even my intern who's been working with me for over a year now, probably a year and a half, she came to my workshop that I ran on Friday and she was like, Jess, I didn't know that you knew so much about so many things. And she was even like mind blown. And I was like, yeah, where have you been for the past year and a half? You know, you've been working with me. But I think that's something that I've kind of had to overcome is that people overlook me. And so when I did first start my swimmer brand, I knew that I was more than confident and capable, but I didn't want my name anywhere on the website. I didn't want my presence known on social media. I didn't want anyone to know that it was me. And that was probably um, from a fear of judgment or that people would think the brand wasn't as good if it was done by me and things like that. So I've had to sort of work through some of that um, in order to, you know, build my own personal brand and show up and um, work on that confidence and being seen side of things as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think my favorite thing you just said there is that question of why not? Because honestly, like, why not? It's it's your life. You have one chance to live it. And if you're doing something you hate and you have, you know, and you haven't asked yourself the question to do something else, like, why not? You know, like you can always use that. I think that's a good thing to like, even if anyone listening likes to journal, if you're like pondering on a problem, like it kind of will bring you down like a bit of a rabbit hole and you probably won't be able to find a good enough reason to not do it. But just like, if you keep asking why and going deeper, you'll probably end up getting there. (laughs) Cause it was even the same when, even back to my story about quitting my full-time job, I, for some reason, the thought process was that this was a decision that I was making for the rest of my life. And I think so often we put that pressure on ourselves Mm. If I had actually stopped and said, why, why do I have to make that much money? There would have been no answer because like I said, I was living at home. I did not need that much money to survive. Um, and I was a big, big saver and, you know, never needed the money. So even if I stopped and asked myself why or why not, then I probably would have said, hmm, actually there's no reason why or why not. And I could just get a different job if all else fails, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess kind of on that note, um, and I suppose this is something that you have now successfully done. It's this concept of like curating your work, your business, or we call it your fulfillment area in your balance. So your fulfillment, how do you curate that around your life rather, rather than it being a category that dictates your life? Because let's be honest, like I'm a finance lawyer. So my job takes up the majority of my week. However, I think I'm pretty confident to say that I don't let it dictate my life. And so I think when people are thinking about their work, sometimes it may not be that clear cut. So do you have any sort of tips on how people can curate their fulfillment around their life rather than let it control it? Yeah, it is harder, obviously, if you do have a job. Um, But then the question would be, do you need the job or do you need to spend that many days at the job? Um, But if you're working completely for yourself, then what we often forget is that we create (laughs) literally our schedule, everything that works for us. And for so long, I was working 10 plus hours a day, but I realized for my energy, I only really need to work two to four hours of really focused time. And then the rest of the time I can do whatever I want. So um, I think for so long, I would just start my day. I would start my day before I even had breakfast, get on the computer. Then I work till three o'clock, realize I haven't eaten yet. 
And then I would eat my breakfast at like three o'clock and then continue on because work came first. But what I actually do now and what I work through with my clients is mapping out the ideal week. And now it never goes to plan, but at least if you have a target or a plan, then I actually map in when I'm having my shower. I map in eating. I map in going to the beach if I'm going to do that or relaxing or catching up with people. I map all of this out in my calendar. Otherwise, it would easily fill up with work. And when we're entrepreneurs, we're usually quite type A personalities or overachievers. Usually we just hustle and work hard. And if I didn't have that blocked out time to go to the beach or to do these other things or exercise or eat, I would find things to make myself busy. Now, they're not usually super high priority, but because I have this urge to always achieve, then I would easily fill up my time. And even sometimes I still catch myself. I'm finished work at four o'clock and I think that's a bit early and then I'll find something and then it's seven o'clock before you know it. So at least if I know, okay, three o'clock, I'm going to exercise, four o'clock, I'm going to do some cooking or relax, watch TV, like whatever I want to do. Um, then I know that that's it for the work for today. But I do think that so often we just work all the time and then whatever time's left, then we work on that. And I have a whole process where I work through on how we actually prioritize our to-do list. And I've got a, um, my to-do list is scheduled by days. So right now, if I looked at it, there's about 90 things on my to-do list. And so if I just jumped onto my computer in the morning, I'd start working through that. It would never be finished. There would be 90 items. There's no way I can get it. 90 items done. And they're not all urgent either. They're not all priorities. So I schedule them on certain days based on when they're due or what the priority is. Um, and some things just keep moving because they're not important. And so that way, I've got my five things for today. And if I get them done in two hours instead of six hours, then that's it. You know, that's it for the day. If I really want to, I could start on tomorrow's. But that way I'm done. Two to four hours and then I can just do whatever else I want. Um, and that way we can actually fit in other parts of our life around, um, you know, fitting that work in around what we're really wanting to do. Yeah, absolutely. I resonate with everything you've just said there, especially like the time blocking and the to-do lists. Like that's even more important for me because I've got obviously this podcast and I also have an e-commerce business on top of my full-time job. So if I don't do those things, like literally the day will get away from you and you end up just like exactly what you said. And I'm sure people listening can resonate. You're not feeling this guilt if you're not doing anything just because you have so much to do all the time. And with like, say the podcast, there's endless things I could be doing. Like I'm managing it on my own. There's always like more I could be doing in quotations. I say that. So, you know, I think that's really, really important. Um, but I did want to add one thing and you did, you did mention at the start of your response, like obviously it's a bit harder if you're working for somebody else, which I fully agree. But I think what you've offered as a suggestion, what that really highlights and, and comments on is this concept of boundaries. It's having boundaries with your work. And I personally think having shifted a bit um, in, in the companies I'm working for in the last few years, I definitely think this is achievable if you're working for somebody else. And I just wanted to add this in because I feel like sometimes we sit there and we throw our hands up in the air. And we say, well, it's expected that I'm in the office until 7, 8 p.m. It's expected that I work until 1 a.m. in the morning or whatever the case may be, right? And I've worked for businesses like that before. And guess what? 
I left because it doesn't serve my idea of balance. It doesn't serve my life. And ultimately, if you're going to stay, you need to really think about whether that environment is going to serve where you want to be in your life. You know, do you look up to the people that are more senior than you? Do you want their jobs? Do you want their lifestyles? And if the answer is yes, then that's the kind of compromise you need to make if, if that's a work environment. But if you're somewhere that you hate and you're, like you said, you're on the train hating your life. Like I've been in that exact position. I said, no, nah, I can't be working for this place because they don't respect that I'm a human being, that I have my own schedule. And what I've worked out in the last few years, and I think it's probably been largely helpful that I've got all this stuff on the side is how I work. And I'm the same. I could do like three, four hour block. That's like super productive. And I've done most of what I need to do that day. But when you're sitting in an office, you can't just walk up and leave at 2 PM. Like it's not, that's not necessarily how it works. So I work somewhere now that has, you know, working from home flexibility that I was working in private practice before and they record billable hours. So you have to account for every six minutes of your time across the whole day because they need to justify how they're billing clients. That didn't work for me because that promoted me to stretch out my time rather than shorten it. So all these things you need to obviously try, but if it's not serving you, basically what I'm saying, if you can't create those boundaries that you feel like you need, I don't think you're in the right place. So don't be afraid to kind of experiment um and i guess see we're working i'm not sure if you were able to do that in the job you're at or if it was just a straight take the leap and leave yeah i mean with the job that i was at because i hit that adrenal fatigue well i milked everything that i could right it's not all that i guess <laughs> i'm not <laughs> recommending this so if you want to do this um that's on your own um accord but um I basically took a doctor's note saying look my health is suffering the workload is a lot I need to work from home one day a week. So I negotiated one day a week to work from home and I still did my job. I was someone who's very, very efficient. So mm. I still did what I had to do at the job in two hours instead of eight. Um, and they didn't have to know that necessarily. I also took a lot of appointments, a lot of toilet breaks. Um, you know, other people sit, sit around and socialize in the office. I didn't socialize. I got on with what I had to do. And then I did my own stuff and I, you know, just took a lot of breaks, <laughs> which, yeah. uh, like I said, if you choose to do that, I didn't advise it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And what you said, I think is really, really important. Um, but I wanted to add, everything is a choice. Every single thing in life is a choice. And we sometimes think that it's not, you know, if you do have kids and you've got a mortgage and it's not as easy to leave the job, it's still a choice to stay because you value security. So as soon as you take back ownership of this is still a choice, then you'll stop having that resentment. Your mindset will shift because, and you'll be more empowered because it's still your choice. And if you want to stay there, I have two clients currently that I'm working with. Um, and a lot of my clients still have jobs and things while we're building up their business. One of my clients is currently moving house and she needs that job to be able to show the bank, you know, for the income because being self-employed is a tough time <laughs> trying to get the home loans and she's got kids and things like that. So she currently needs that full-time job um, on paper to be able to get what she needs. And so we're just shifting her mindset around that. We're going in negotiating, you know, can she work from home some days? Can she do these other things so that it's easier with her son and all that sort of thing. So it all it all plays together and that's why I'm so passionate about coaching people not just in business because I'm not a business coach that's just like well stop complaining get up and you know work 24 7 and give it a go because 
they're mums, they're full-time employed, they're, you know, wives, they're friends, you know, all of these other factors play into it. So one of my other clients, I just told her to go and take a two-day holiday from her, from her family, from her work, from her job, from everything, because she needed it. And so sometimes um, we can't just get rid of the job that easily. And it's about finding what can work for you in those situations and just understanding that it's still your choice to stay there. Yeah, I love that ownership piece. And it's really just about connecting with the why. So sometimes you just need to work that job because you need that income at this point in time. And that is absolutely okay. But it's exactly what you said. It's taking back control and going, I'm making this choice because this is my why right now. And, you know, if and when that can change and you're open to it, then that's when you can, you know, take a leap if it's not serving you at that point in time. But then again, like having a think, can I put any boundaries in place? Um, but I, I love this stuff because it's something, you know, I've worked in corporate. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to kind of be doing something you don't feel like you love completely, but it, that's not to say everybody's going to always be working in what they love, but it does serve its own, you know, its own thing there. So I love that we've had this conversation. Um, I did want to kind of move on to another area and something I know you work with, um, something you said you don't, you didn't necessarily struggle with personally, but I know it's something you really advocate for at the moment because it is such a, it's such a thing that everybody experiences and it's this concept of limiting beliefs. So I would love for you to share, I guess, how you see them, how we can identify them and ultimately how, how do we get rid of them? They're, they're like annoying mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes so the problem okay so with limiting beliefs um we have our conscious and we have our subconscious mind and the problem is most of our limiting beliefs live in our subconscious mind which is just the part of our mind that's operating on autopilot it's what's keeping our heart beating we're not sitting here thinking all day oh I better remember to beat my heart you know <laughs> it just happens and so our limiting beliefs sit in that space so the challenge is the biggest, hardest part is identifying them because if we've thought that way for our entire life or for a good chunk of our life, that it's now on autopilot, it's very hard to realize that that's not normal or that's not the mm. normal way to think. And so one way that I encourage people to sort of identify their limiting beliefs is to look at, am I coming up against any consistent challenges? Am I always having challenges with money? Am I always having clients saying no to me? Am I always having negative clients coming my way? Because that's usually a result of some sort of belief that you've got that's attracting those kind of people. You know, we look at all of these things as external factors, but when you realize that your thoughts um, create your reality, then we can start to see, okay, these things keep showing up for me. There must be a limiting belief around it. And when I speak about limiting beliefs, a lot of people go into, oh yeah, my limiting belief is procrastination or my limiting belief is I self-sabotage. Those aren't limiting beliefs. They're more like a symptom of a deeper mm. rooted limiting belief. So people tend to procrastinate because they feel like they're not worthy of success or their fear, fear of success even, or fear of failure, or um, they've been told that they'll never amount to anything. You know, whatever it is, everyone's is so different. But procrastination and self-sabotage are the two biggest um, hints at what is really happening. So if you are having any of that come up, what I always recommend to people to do is just ask, but why? Or where is that coming from? And dig deeper. And sometimes we don't know straight away. And that's actually what I love working through with my clients because 
as a coach, I can sometimes identify their behavior or their actions before they can. And so then we can dig a bit deeper into it. But even if you're doing it yourself, I actually do have a free lesson and like worksheet that you can kind of start to work through to identify some of these limiting beliefs. Because like I said, in the beginning, I started my business with zero experience, zero money. I was 22. I was female. I had no idea, you know, about anything. And so I could have said, who am I to start a brand? Or I could have said, hmm, instead of global, let me start with just Perth. I'll practice and then I'll see where I go. But I said, no, I'm going global. I'm going to manufacture overseas. I'm doing this. And because I thought in that way, um, the reality came true. I was invited to New York Fashion Week. We had global orders from day one. But if I played small, I wouldn't have done a professional photo shoot. I wouldn't have marketed as much as I did. I wouldn't have worked with international influencers because I would have said, well, it's not international, so I shouldn't contact them, you know. So all of the actions that I had came from that one belief. And at the time, to me, that wasn't conscious. But looking back, I can see that because I decided that from day one, the reality came true. Um, but a lot of people just want to blame the external situation. Like, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough knowledge. You know, people say, people will judge me. I'm not worthy, whatever it is. Um, and to be honest, that is the number one issue. There are all the answers you need on Google these days. There's a million people out there that have done exactly what you want to do before you. And so if other people are doing it, I mean, this, this day and age, there's not really much new that you can do unless you're probably Elon Musk where you're, you know, really <laughs> inventing something crazy, but people have done it before. So it means it's possible. The information's all there. If I could start a whole swimwear brand with zero experience in fashion, zero mentors, zero people telling me how to do it, just figured it out, made it up, literally asked myself, well, I need to communicate my designs to the factory. How should I do this? I didn't follow the exact processes that fashion designers would say you need to follow. And for the whole five years of my business, I still didn't. I learned the proper way to do it. I just didn't want to do it that way because it seemed ridiculous and a waste of time. So <laughs> that is the thing why I say mindset is the number one thing. But identifying the limiting beliefs, if you can even start to identify even just a hint at what it might be, that will make the biggest, biggest shift in general. But then the next step is actually realizing that it's not true at all, because once we identify it, we need to actually believe that it's not true, because if we start to try and rewire it, but our brain's just saying, hey, you're lying to me, I know this belief's true, then it's not going to work. So if we think that we're afraid of success because rich people are greedy or our parents told us be wary of wealthy people because they're bad people, then we're not going to take those actions. So we need to firstly realize that's not true because there's so many wealthy or rich people that are doing incredible things with their money. And the more money you have, the more people you can help, the more good you can do in the world and all of that as well. So realizing it's not true is the first step. And then we can start to rewire it with more positive affirmations and wording around reinforcing the actual opposite of that belief. So it's a lengthy process. And if you've been thinking that belief for like 30 plus years, then it takes a lot of repetition, a lot of anchoring. And there's a lot of things you can do through journaling, affirmations, all sorts of um, tools to rewire those thoughts. But 
it really just does start with identifying them, which is possibly the hardest part. But even just starting to question your thoughts can sometimes unravel a whole bunch of stuff that you might have not even realized was there. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know about you guys listening, but I feel so motivated right now because it's absolutely true. Like, and when people say the sky's the limit, you can do whatever you want. Like this is the essence, I think, of what what it's getting to because ultimately, and you kind of just added it on at the end of your answer there, like it's just about approaching your thoughts with curiosity and not necessarily taking them as fact. And I've said this before on the podcast, but sometimes, and I mean, honestly, it feels like when it's a thought in your head, that's truth speaking, that's like ultimate fact, because it's a thought you've had. But if you just stop for one minute and go, is that actually true? You know, if you have a thought, oh, I'm not good enough, or I could never do that. You see someone on Instagram and that makes you feel terrible about yourself because you think, oh, I've been trying to do that for years and they've done it in one month or whatever it is, you know, the whole comparison thing. You sit there and go, is that actually true? Just because somebody else has done it, I can't do it. Or just because I thought that I didn't know this, does that mean I can't do it? You know, when you really start to question, and I know you said you you made the comment that um, it's really hard to unravel it because you've told yourself that for so long. That's absolutely true. But sometimes when you actually work out the limiting belief is, it sounds so ridiculous. And you're actually like, I don't actually think I'm not worthy. Like, but deep down subconsciously, emotionally, I connect with that. But what I consciously think about myself is not that. And there's this disconnect. So it's about rewiring that subconscious so that then everything you do consciously marries with that. And like you said, it's kind of like that thing. Every time you get a client, it may be a negative client or every time you, you know, you may get money and you may spend it like that repeated behavior that seems in conflict with where you want to go that's often because subconsciously you have a limiting belief that is incongruent with what you consciously want to achieve and so once you marry those it's like the stars align and you're like oh my god everything's falling into place now but I agree identifying them is really tough and unless you can I mean I've worked with a professional therapist to sort of go through mine I was absolutely mind blown but if it is something you want to tackle on your own I think just just starting at that point of questioning your thoughts, journaling, asking why, being curious, not taking them as fact on face value and noticing where I guess your conscious actions are not, like they're kind of being roadblocked, I think is a really good Mm. place to start. But that kind of leads me to another question I had a little bit further on, which is how do we know if we're standing in our own way? Because I see limiting beliefs as sort of like hurdles we put up for ourselves because no one's told you you can't start a global swimwear company because you've had no experience. You've literally told yourself that based off what you think is the right or wrong way to do things, you know? So how do we know if we're actually standing in our own way? Yeah, so so often people don't. (laughs) People don't. And that's where... I guess for me, I love working one-on-one with my coaching clients because I can call them out on it, you know, (laughs) and I can say, no, I mean, just as one example, one of my clients thought that she had to wait until February to run a workshop that she was looking at doing because she said she had to get all this stuff in order and she had to do this, this and that. And I said, no, we're going to do it in February, um, in November, we're going to do it this month and here's how we're going to do it. And so there was usually like fear of failure, fear of, you know, perfectionism there. There's all these things showing up. So just asking yourself, it's again, just questioning everything that you're doing. Um, Again, if you're hitting the same roadblocks, if you have goals and you just never seem to be able to quite get there, then just asking yourself, why am I coming up against this roadblock? Where is that coming from? I actually... I'm not someone who meditates. 
like regularly. I do do like a nighttime meditation just to go to sleep, but meditations have actually been quite helpful for me because what it does is gets your brain waves into that subconscious state. And once we can tap into that subconscious state, the conscious mind is now asleep and now you're into the subconscious thoughts start to come up. So that could be a really good way. Um, it does take some practice. I only have really done some really deep ones when I've been in like a membership or a mastermind or something, and we've had to do it for an hour. Otherwise, normally I'd get too bored and leave, <laughs> um, but it works. So when we can tap into that, um, that can really help. And other ways, like you said, journaling can be really, really great. So, hey, I've got this goal. I feel like I keep hitting these roadblocks. Um, how can I work through it? Or thirdly, like you said, speak to a um, therapist or a coach. You know, that stuff that I help my clients through all of the time. They have a goal. And so many people, their goal is to grow their business. So firstly, they're not really sure on what the hell their goal is because it's always grow my business, hit six figures, hit seven figures be a millionaire. Um, and that has no reason, rhyme or reason. It just sounds cool. So um, that would be the first thing, but you can work with a coach to help you get there. If you're just feeling stuck in regards to, I have this goal, it's not happened yet. I don't know why it's not happened. Then a coach can usually pull apart. Maybe sometimes it's strategies that you need that will help you get there. And sometimes it's mindset, but that's why I actually like to combine both because not too much point just sitting and journaling all day and not taking any action. But then again, you're not going to take action if your mindset's not in the right place. So that's where I love to really combine both. But usually people don't know what it is that they need. And most of the time, people jump to strategies and they keep jumping around from strategy to strategy. And I actually did a whole podcast episode on this um, around shiny strategy syndrome, because there's so many messages online. You have to be doing this. You have to be doing that. And I said, you don't have to be doing anything. And most of the time it's the simplest things that get the biggest results, but people don't believe that simple equals results. So they go and do all these crazy um fancy funnels or like really in-depth stuff that takes so much work so much energy and then they don't see the results so then they look for another one and then they look for another one and they're not staying consistent so there's so many parts that go into it but hopefully that's given people a little bit of a um, piece of the pie but I do think you need both mindset and strategy to be able to really reach the goals that you're wanting to reach yeah, absolutely. And as someone who, just to go back a little bit, as someone who meditates every day, I think meditation in its purest form is just giving your mind space. And so if you've constantly got these thoughts trying to resurface or these beliefs popping up, you know, and blocking you by meditating, you can actually just stop and see it for what it is. And I think a lot of people think meditation is or should be this space where you just go quiet. But in fact, I find it's generally quite the opposite. You just see your thoughts as they come in. And I think the beauty of observation is exactly that. You can see your subconscious. You can see what you're being told by yourself. And that's when you can start to question it and have all these little epiphanies. So yeah, absolutely agree with everything um, you've just said there. And you did go into a little bit about goals just then. And I know you've got a unique approach to goal setting. And obviously as someone who's run five businesses in conjunction, I'm sure you have um, some incredible things to say about setting goals. So I'd love to know, I guess, your approach to how you set goals, whether that be start of the year or at any point? Yeah, I personally just set goals whenever because 
again, I've never really understood why people set 10 year goals or like, you know, 20 year goals or five year goals. I'm like, if I know what I want to do, then why wouldn't I start working on it now? And almost by setting a 10 year goal, for example, and this is kind of off track to where I'm going, but even by setting a 10 year goal, it's kind of saying I don't need to start it until 10 years. So I actually like to set goals in regards to start dates. And yes, some things might take 10 years to get there. But if I know what I want, then why not start now? Um, so that's the first thing. But the second thing is most people don't know what they want. And so people are setting goals around, oh, I want to hit 5,000 followers or I want to hit, um, I don't know, X amount of dollars in revenue. Who cares why? at the end of the day? Like, what does that mean to you? That means nothing, absolutely nothing. And so often I speak to so many potential clients. They all have a chat with me before they um, can become a client of mine just to make sure it's the right fit. And 99, I've never had one person get on the call and say, Jess, this is what I want for my business. This is what I want for my life. This is how I want my business to look and support my lifestyle. Never. I've always got the answers of, I want to grow my business, grow and scale. And I want to have teams and I want to, you know, have all of this amazing shiny stuff, which is the traditional idea of success. Most of the time, people aren't critically thinking about what does success look like to me? And that is the one first thing that I always work through with my clients, because if they say, I want to grow my business, Jess, I want to hit a million dollars. I want to be jet setting all the time when in fact they actually really want to build a business so they can spend more time with their kids, I could get them there. I could get them to the million dollars. I could get them to the jet setting and doing, doing all of that shiny stuff that we think looks like success. But then what they're going to do is they're going to self-sabotage along the way. They're not, not really going to get there because they're sacrificing time with their kids, which is what really matters to them. So it comes back down to what do you really value? Because for me, I actually don't want staff. I've got one amazing VA and an assistant and a couple of contractors doing their specialized things. I don't want staff. I have had an office and I hated it. I didn't like driving there every day, even though it was only 15 minutes. It was a waste of my time. It was not as comfortable. I would rather work from home and work on my timeline than have to deal with staff and, you know, being pulled in a million directions. I want the flexibility, which to me, having less staff and things gives me that. I can still grow and scale my business. Less money is going to the staff. So I could have millions and millions of dollars in revenue, but most of it would be going to staff, right? Whereas I can probably pocket the same amount of money and have the freedom. So to me, that's what success looks like. But people never really stop and ask themselves, why? Why do I want to grow my business? Why am I even doing this business to start with? Um, and so that is the first step because we're so clouded by what we see on social media. And even one of my clients was watching someone else that she follows and this other lady was making a million dollars and she was speaking on massive stages and doing all of this cool stuff. And this lady said, look, Jess, sometimes I think I want that. But then I realized I don't. And when she was watching this other lady's stories, this other lady is severely burnt out. She is not looking happy, you know, like all of these things. And not to say you can't do that and be happy. You definitely can. But that wasn't her idea of success. So I think people need to stop and understand well, what does growing my business actually look like? What does hitting that six figures actually mean to me? Because six figures firstly could mean 100 grand or 900 grand, um, which is very different. But why at the end of the day? And even for me, when I have monetary goals, 
I like to understand why, because otherwise, if things get tough, if it's just money for the sake of money, that's not something that I truly care about that much. But when I understand what that money is going to do or what I'm going to do with that money, that's what continues to motivate me. So when you can really visualize and understand how success looks in all areas of your life, then you'll be able to build that successful business to get there. But secondly, I like to set goals around life in general. So we have some business goals, but I like to make sure that my clients have goals for all areas of their life. Even though they're hiring me as a business coach, I'm helping one of my clients learn how to do handstands because she used to do handstands <laughs> all the time. And she really wants to do that again because she feels strong and she feels empowered and that really helps her. So I like to help people with all areas of their life because as women, more so than men, all areas of our life impact our business. The kids, the, you know, all of the things that play into it. I don't personally have kids yet, but I have lots of clients with kids. And so I know as the females, even though they're working a full-time job and a business and looking after the kids, the males and society is changing, but the males are still doing their full-time job and the women are doing the cleaning and everything, which to me, I'm not necessarily subscribed to that idea. And I know society is changing a little bit, but it still happens. It's still, I guess, the, the default way of thinking. So for me, I work with my clients on all areas of their life because it impacts. If our health is suffering because of our business, again, we're going to start to self-sabotage because our brain wants to protect us. And if our brain says my health is suffering because of this business, I'm going to eliminate the threat. And so that's where self-sabotage comes from. And I think unless we have a well-rounded idea of goals and that again comes back to the idea of building a business for life. It's not mm. about just building a business now. And so I think all of it needs to be done together. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more with that definition piece of sitting down and going, okay, I want to be able to do a hundred kilo squat hypothetically. Why? Because that makes me feel strong. Okay. Why is that important to me? Because that determines how I show up every day, you know, or whatever it is, because I just want to challenge myself. And because challenging myself is important for every goal you set yourself. And I really love that you approach it from a holistic point of view, because you're absolutely right. Like, and when we talk about the balance theory, it really is at any point in your life, you're going to have a combination of your health relationships and your fulfillment area. And that's going to shift. Like when you have kids, maybe you'll be more in that relationship middle area. When you're running a business, you'll be more in the fulfillment area, but at any given point, you need to be somewhat in each of those and I just had a yeah. thought as well there is definitely a, a flow-on effect between them all even if we're looking at say the limiting beliefs so hypothetically if you're not looking after your health then you're not feeling strong you're not feeling energized you're not feeling like that CEO that needs to show up every day and manage a team or to hit those seven figures and so even though you're going to be spending all your time in that fulfillment area subconsciously you don't think that you're the person that can do that because you're not looking after your health so there's absolutely a flow and effect um and i think that definition piece when setting goals is absolutely critical and, and something um, everyone's heard me harp on about before so really nice to hear that that's your approach too and um yeah, yeah i've learned i've honestly learned so so much out of today's episode i could probably chat to you for a long long time more but i think i'll have to cut it <laughs> off for today but if the listeners do want to check you out, check out the podcast, connect with you on socials, maybe they want to work mm -hmm. with you or have, have an initial call with you, where's the best place they can kind of reach out and do so? 
And the, the, the best place is Instagram. So I hang out on Instagram all the time and I reply to all of my DMs. So I'd love to hear from anyone, even just what you thought or what you got out of this podcast as well. Feel free to send me a DM because I do actually reply. So um, yeah, Instagram, my Instagram is jess.williamson8, but I'm sure they can probably find me on yours channels as well. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I have all my links in my bios. Otherwise it's just my name, jessicawilliamson.com.au. Amazing. Well, I'll definitely pop a link to that below. Thank you so much for your time and really exciting to hear what you're doing and what's to come as well. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me. And that's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. Stop, stop, stop.